Welcome to Strong Runner Chick Radio, a leading online community where our goal is to educate, empower, and connect female distance runners across the world. We believe in healthy running, fueling, and embracing our strength as female distance runners inside and out. Through interviews with top professional, collegiate, and master's level runners, leading dietitians, coaches, sports psychologists, and runners of all shapes and sizes, we hope to spread the message that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to distance running. Now, let's get to the show. Hello, Strong Runner Chicks. Welcome back to another episode of SRC Radio. It's Megan, and I am so happy to have some uh, hosting company on today. I've got Kelsey with me, who is um, on this show so willingly because we have uh, Cherry Turner with us, who is from uh, the Boston, Massachusetts area. Um, she, well, she was born in Southern California and uh, lives in Somerville, Massachusetts now. Um, she is a, a lifelong athlete, as I explained in her intro, and she really focuses on women in sport, which I am so passionate about. I know Kelsey is as well, um, bringing more coverage and more light to, to women in sport. She also has a podcast called Strides Forward, and I believe she has quite the array of audio and uh, storytelling experience. So we'll get to hear more, uh, more from Cherry today, but welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Megan and Kelsey. It's just, I, it's so much fun to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd love to know, uh, looking back just on your, your journey through sport, how did you initially get into athletics or, or specifically into running? Okay. Um, so I'll quickly go way back. I was just a super active kid. And I started out like in ballet as a kid and I did gymnastics for five years until my doctor said, your knees are going to like get destroyed by the time you're 21, you won't walk. And so then I was a swimmer, which I was terrible at. Um, And then I found bike riding and that was my big sport when I was younger. So I was a competitive bike racer on the road and track. And I got to the point where I was doing it full time as a professional And then I graduated from college and did that for a few years. Um, And being a female professional cyclist is really tough. (laughs) And I I decided to move on from that. And then I started running as a way to just stay fit and healthy. And it was just, it was a lot easier from an equipment standpoint to do. And I really enjoyed it. And so I started running, oh goodness, I mean, like, early on, I used to do this cross training for cycling and slowly, but surely kind of worked my way into like, I'll try this marathon thing. And I lived in Tahoe in California. And so ran on the trails there. And so it's just been something that I've been doing for, I don't know, decades now. Yeah. You really evolved there. Like there was this like trajectory of like, I have to try all these sports or maybe I'm placed into these sports unwillingly, who knows? Um, But it's really interesting that you mentioned cycling as, you know, a sport that was really difficult for females to be a part of. Would you mind speaking to that a little bit? I'm curious. Well, there just wasn't a ton of support. There weren't a lot of women racing and they're just, I mean, I, I feel like I got lucky because I did get like, I, had a coach who was generous enough to not charge me any money. And I got sponsored very early on. And I went to a university that had a pretty robust uh, cycling team and got a lot of support through that. But from 
like a more sustainable standpoint, it just was not sustainable at all. And I looked around and, you know, I had gotten my degree and I, all I wanted to do was race my bike. And quite frankly, I was looking at moving back in with my parents at, you know, 23, 24 years old. And I was like, I don't want to do that. And so I left the sport and moved on. So yeah, it's just, there just isn't, um, yeah, there's just not a lot of support in it for women. And I think that's unfortunately kind of still the case. Uh, and it's just, I mean, it, quite frankly, it's just not that popular in the U.S. the way it can be in other countries. Um, but I loved it. I mean, it was definitely my passion. It was all I wanted to do. <laughs> so, but then getting out of it too, I was so used to being a competitive cyclist that once I stopped being competitive, I didn't really want to ride my bike anymore because I was so frustrated by the fact that I wasn't as fast as I knew I could be. And that was where running, like I just, I wasn't a particularly good runner, but I really enjoyed it. So it was just a nice transition to do something that I could try and get better at because I really wasn't very good and just really enjoyed. And there, like, as I've kind of evolved as a runner, there is just so much to do. You can run fast and short. You can run for fun. You can run endurance. You can run on trails. Like, it's just this never ending discovery. There's just so many ways to do it and so many reasons to do it. Like sometimes it's just to see if you can go a certain distance. Sometimes it's to see how fast you can go a distance. I don't know. It's just, there's endless things to do and you just need really just kind of need a pair of running shoes. So, and a safe place to run that matters too. So, yeah. Definitely. I'd love to know what role both in cycling and in running a uh, community has played if any, just um, like finding, especially in the women's. Yeah. Well, it, on the women's side. Well, so I'll speak to running because it's just more, I mean, it's kind of what my life now. I've been out of cycling for such a long time. So I'll leave that behind, even though I had like great teammates and, uh, and well, and quite, and really, I mean, cycling was my life, right? I worked in a bike shop. I rode my bike all the time. I mean, it was, it was, it defined who I was as I became an adult. So it was a huge part of my community. Like pretty much everything I did had to do with the cycling world. Like when I got out of cycling, I wrote about cycling. I tested products for cycling. Like it was just what I did. <laughs> so, um, and then on the running side, one of the cool things about running is that it is something that is worldwide. I got, both my husband and I are big fans of Park Run which is free weekly timed 5Ks and they're all over the world. So you can drop into a park run, literally anywhere where they have them in the world, which is lots and lots of places. And you're just like part of the crowd and you can walk, you can run, you can go fast, you can go slow, nobody cares. Everyone's really friendly. And I find that with, a, I mean, for the most part, I find that with running kind of all over. Like we showed up in Iceland and found a running group to run with and went for a run with a bunch of people in Iceland who we didn't know, but we were all runners. So it's just this thing you can take with you wherever you go. So uh, yeah, the community is a huge part. I'm involved in my you know, community here, Somerville Roadrunners, and they're very active and they're a great group. Um, so yeah, I mean, community is a huge part of it. And going out for a group run is tons of fun <laughs> you know it's social time and it's uh, you know healthy and all the good things that running is so 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad to hear you found a sense of community. It sounds like wherever you've gone, um, you know, whether it's um, out in California, Massachusetts, or even out in Europe, right? There's some community to be found, which is really nice about running. In South Africa too, right? Like, I mean, they have the biggest park runs in the world in South Africa. So you show up 2000 people at one of the ones we went to, right? I mean, they're huge. (laughs) Absolutely. So um, one big component of of our conversation today that I want to hone in on is what led you into covering women in sport and specifically writing and editing to start. And of course, now it's evolved into more storytelling through audio. But, you know, what was that initial catalyst for you to to start that um, as your your topic of focus? So the very first writing I ever did was focused on women in sports. So this is going back a very long time into like the mid nineties. Right. And I mean, a lot of it is just that I, you know, I was a young feminist. I was angry because women just are treated pretty poorly in sports. I mean, it's really unequal. And I wanted to focus on the awesome women who I saw around me. So my early articles were about other women athletes In fact, the very first article I ever got published in two very niche, small publications was called The Woman Athlete. And it was like, why don't we highlight the strengths of women who are athletes? Why are, you know, why do we always defer to men? And it was a frustration then. It's still a frustration, but a little less now. So these days, um, so those were, you know, those were some of my early interests because I wanted to write about something I was passionate about and something I knew. And when my, I got my very first start at Velo News, which is a competitive cycling publication out of Boulder, Colorado. They still publish. And the very first cover article or feature article I ever did was about women in cycling. And it was like, I mean, I was just thrilled. But time marches on. I focused on other things after that. Um, I became a general interest writer and you know, just worked for local publications, local lifestyle publications uh, in Nevada and California. And then I was looking a few years ago to add audio to the mix of my writing life. And I learned about the 4% statistic, which is the fact that women get 4% of mainstream sports coverage. And that that's referring basically to the US, but I think that we could probably say that that is pretty much the case everywhere. Like, I don't know where there's good equity in coverage for women in sports um, anywhere in the world. Um, but anyway, I heard that statistic and I just thought, oh my gosh, like I I need to just focus on women. And it just kind of reminded me of these early days. It was like, well, that's how I got started as a writer and as, you know, kind of in the media. And so I was like, I'm just going to really dive back into this passion that I sort of left for a long, long time as a singular pursuit and pick it back up again. So here I am. What I found really interesting about what you spoke about, especially with your writing is uh, for two reasons there, um, was that you wrote about it because it was a passion of yours, right? Like it was something that, and I always find that with writing, that's the best type of writing that comes through, right? Is when it's your, it's something you're passionate about. And then also yeah. something that you've experienced, right? Because yeah. then it's also like this anecdotal thing. Well, 
I mean, sometimes writing can't always be your person, anyone's personal stories, but, you know, I think those, the combination of those two, I would imagine would really just fuel the fire, not only for yourself to write some really powerful pieces, but for other women who are reading it to have, to be like, wait a minute, this is a passion of mine, or like, wait a minute, I've experienced that too. So it, it's almost like bridging connections in and of itself through writing and through, you know, sharing stories. Well, and I feel like I can really speak to it, right? Like, I'm right. Like, I, you know, I, I did this. And, and honestly, I, if I had to think back on like, well, why didn't I keep pursuing that? Why didn't I keep wanting to write about women in sport? And I, quite frankly, I think I was just angry. Like, I was so frustrated by how little coverage women got. And I, you know, I can't say definitively, like, I had that thought and I stopped doing it, but I, it was frustrating and it's still frustrating. You know, I mean, those statistics still exist. That is a 30 year longitudinal study and things have basically not changed, right? Like that's ridiculous, <laughs> you know? And it doesn't make any sense because women make up over 40% of participants in sports. Like if you wanna throw out whatever statistics they have, but we know for a fact that lots of women are incredible athletes and also lots of women run and do all sorts of athletics. And the fact that we're only dedicating 4% of mainstream media sports coverage to them, it, it, it absolutely baffles my mind. It baffles me. It just makes me think that mainstream sports media doesn't understand how to cover women in ways that resonate very well. So with, with a lot of people. I'd love to know, yeah, just on that note, what are maybe some of the challenges you faced either early on or, or maybe just some growing pains over the years? Um, because I know, you know, we've evolved and it sounds like there's more coverage happening now than there probably was say 20, 30 years ago. But when you first got started in the 1990s, you know, what were maybe some of those initial challenges or do you have a specific story where you, you felt like giving up or you felt like this was, this was a tough battle? Well, I mean, I left sport because I didn't, I, I left being a competitive athlete because I couldn't make enough money to support myself, right? Like, so that was a original, <laughs> original reason, you know, and from the, from the media standpoint, I, like, I don't have a good story. I was really thankful I got to write a cover story for the magazine I was working at as an intern. Um, but even so, it's like, all the like so much of the news was skewing in a way that I wasn't interested and maybe that's the thing right like I don't like again I didn't have some aha moment of just like women don't get enough coverage I don't want to do this because it makes me angry but also like that's what I was interested in right and it's just like there wasn't opportunity there there wasn't enough opportunity to to focus on women so like I yeah um yeah it's, just, it's frustrating it's frustrating it certainly is. And I, I can relate to just having these moments of like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is so, you know, it, it can be challenging sometimes to do these things, to cover, um, with, you know, women in sport and just have these challenges that come about or resistance that, that you face. Um, when it comes to, you know, I use this term women in sport over and over again, but like, what are a few of those topics maybe that you think we could use more of a spotlight on, whether it's just telling the stories of women, or perhaps it's red S or body image or mental health or equity and pay and all of the above, (laughs) you know, are there any, all of those, (laughs) any that you maybe have, have been so impassioned about lately? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so red S 
Um, I'm in the middle of a series right now where we're focused on red S menopause and pregnancy. And I have never had a child. I'm not going to have a child. I'm 51. So that ship has sailed. Um, but, but, but the red S I have experienced, I had amenorrhea for at least five years of my cycling career. And at that time, and I still hear that this is quite prevalent, the attitude of just like, oh, well, then I'm a badass because I work so hard that I have forced my body to stop menstruating. And that is such, like, it makes me want to cry because it is so dangerous and it is so devastating, especially to young bodies, but also to women in their 30s and beyond. I mean, it's just awful. And the fact that, like, this is another this is another side of this, like, it makes me so frustrated. Um, like, why we don't understand this for all girls and women athletes and teach them about reds and teach them about how to avoid it because it's totally avoidable. Like that's the thing that is so sort of crazy making with something like this. And so instead of just wallowing in anger over it, which is where I think I got stuck, like I just got stuck on being just sort of a frustrated feminist, I guess, uh, is like, well, then just start telling these stories. Like I don't have a huge listenership, but I feel so passionate about getting these stories out there that I'm like, well, I'm just going to do what I can. Right. So, yeah. And then menopause is a whole other thing. Like women's bodies change. It's fascinating. It's really exciting. It's also there's not a lot of research and the research that's out there isn't always easy to find. And this is stuff that should be absolutely common knowledge. Right. Like these are things that could make us healthier, fitter, faster, uh, more productive, whatever. Like the, these are things that would be so helpful for every woman to know. And I just, I kind of feel like, well, if the media is not going to do that, then we need a groundswell of women like yourselves and all the other women who have just taken it upon themselves to like go do something and get the word out. So yeah, so Red S is a big one. Just going back to your original question, I'm like, ah, <laughs> I was actually literally just working on a story about Red S right before we got on this call. So it's very close to my, close in my mind. Um, but yeah, the whole menopause thing, women, like training women as women, like it's like a oh, hallelujah for like, you know, for Stacey Sims and for Celine Yeager for their book Roar and their new book coming out about menopause. And like those tools are starting to get there, right? Like it's such an exciting time for women and women athletes at Varian particularly. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So those are some of the ones. Body image is a huge, huge, huge issue that just doesn't need to be like the media needs to get out of our heads with that kind of garbage. Um, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what your body size is. You do not need to be stick thin to be a good, healthy runner. I mean, just all these messages that women are bombarded with is just Oh, they're really useless. And one of the things that frustrates me is not only are they very damaging and negative, but you have to wade through all this and process it. Like I'm 51 and I'm still like just trying to chuck out these old bad messages and replace them with my own personal beliefs of how I want things to be and how I know that I can be a healthier, stronger person. Um, but, you, but there's so much that you have to do to just break through those barriers. And at, and especially for younger women, I just, it, it drives me nuts, some of these messages that get through. And to hear the things that like coaches are still saying to young girls, like it, it's like, this doesn't help them. 
<laughs> you know, so, but, but I do see a lot of good things happening. Like Lauren Fleshman is a great example of a coach who is very focused on her female athletes doing well. And she had a great article in the New York times, not too long ago about training women as women. Um, so, so there are a lot of strides being made. Um, and that's super exciting. So that's where my angry part can go to my very excited and hopeful and jubilant part. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. I yeah. like how you use the word strides there with your podcast oh. <laughs> forward. No pun intended. Did not mean to. Did yeah. not mean to. <laughs> <laughs> You're helping make those strides. But um, yeah, I, I underwent, I guess, if you say it that way, or experienced amenorrhea for years and years. And it was just like something that I felt so much shame about because it was like, well, yeah, I knew this wasn't normal, but doctors were like, it's fine. You're an athlete, you know, and you just need to stop running. And some of these messages that we get are terrible and coaches aren't always provided with the knowledge, the understanding resources and support to really direct athletes as to what to do. Um, and a few things you said there, I think one, I've noticed this is universal across not just running, but other sports as well. Listening to your podcast, hearing some people that have this experience in swimming or in cycling or, you know, gymnastics and, and, yeah. you know, it doesn't have to be these sports either. It could be team-based, you know, team-oriented sports. I often hear the, is it like physique conscious sports, but it can be any athlete, any active individual um, could experience red S. And it also is not unique to a certain size. It's not size dependent. Um, it's also not age dependent. As you said, you can be in your fifties, you could be a teenager and never get your period, you know, until your twenties or thirties, um, because of red S. So it's just, it's like, it's so universal. I'm noticing across sports, across ages and across different body types, uh, shapes and sizes that, yeah, I think we need to really, uh, dispel some of these myths that it's just this like thin white 18 year old that experiences this. It's like, no, this happens across, across the, you know, spectrum. Um, yeah. so yeah. 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 And just things like you, you sort of hear as a matter of course about, um, about athletes having, I'm totally spacing on bone, um, not bone spurs. Bone density. Say, sorry. Density, bone density. Well, it's bone density issues. Why I'm just completely spacing on the name of like, not osteopenia, not osteoporosis, no. bone. <laughs> um, not breaking a bone, but with lots of runners. No. <laughs> okay. You're going to edit this out. I'm going to tell you really quickly. Oh, Sorry. Bone um, something. Oh gosh. Like I've read this over and over and over again. Um, oh, come on. Sorry. Take five. Uh, bone. Da, 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 da. <laughs> I can look it up too during our conversation. Okay. I'm just, just da, da, da. stress fractures. Oh, oh yeah. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. We take stress fractures <laughs> as being like a matter of course, like you hear about them all the time in running, right? Oh, she got a stress fracture. Oh um, yeah. Like it's just, it's almost kind of normal. Well, stress fractures are like, they're a sign that your body is breaking down. Like they're really closely associated with low bone density, right? So yeah, just things like that, that we sort of like, they seem to be baked into the culture 
And it's just like, well, let's back up a little bit because this doesn't need to be happening. And these are injuries, you know, it's tough when you're dealing with very high performance athletes, you know, they're always pushing the edge. So I'm not saying that everybody who's experiencing this is doing something wrong. I'm just saying, I think we could see a lot less of it if we started getting more educated. So, yeah, so it's a tough line. I mean, being at the top of your sport, you are constantly pushing your body. So like, I do not dismiss that when you're trying to do something a body's never done before on the planet or get close to it, like things start to not go well, <laughs> you know? Well, but yeah. I think it's that like, we can, we can help, right. We can help by yeah. being better educated. And it's like, that it. doesn't have to happen. Like, how can we make sure that your health does not have to be totally sacrificed because of it? Your right. Especially young, younger athletes. Yes. Right. Like, like girl, like, well, girls, I would call them uh, in high school, like basically ruining their running careers or their athletic careers. Like, let's just, like you said, this happens all over. I, you know, I was a cyclist. That's where it happened to me. And it was very, like, I don't remember anyone. I don't, I just don't remember it being a topic of conversation ever amongst anybody. And I was like, I raced with a lot of women, right? I raced, race on all women's teams. Like, And this is not, I don't remember it being something that ever came up. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, Megan, that you say that it brought you shame because for me, it brought me pride, right? Like, so anyway, that was a long time ago too. So I I, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's almost something like as I started SRC and started covering these topics, it's like, gosh, I want to help myself. Right. But, and I'm preaching this message, but sometimes you're struggling on the inside too. So yeah. Well, we're all learning together, right? We are. Yeah. So. And it's also one of those things, like I appreciate people that share in the moment of experiencing something and say, yeah. Hey, I'm not fully recovered or healed from this. I'm still struggling with it versus like, Oh, I'm totally okay. Now, you know, it's all better. Right. Because even though I am, you know, recovered or healed from amenorrhea, I mean, it's still like, you know, my body's different now and you have to kind of come to terms with that you know, in a way. So, yeah. 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 Well, and mine came with like, I never had like an quote unquote eating disorder. Um, but I certainly had a terrible relationship with food and just how I thought I was supposed to nourish myself that I'm still dealing with. Yeah. Right. Like I think if I can, or I did up until not very long ago, think like, Oh, if you can skip a meal, then that's a good thing. And it's like, that's a terrible thing. (laughs) Like you're starving your body. (laughs) You know, and I talk to so many women who are recovering from Red S and they say, oh, I am eating more than ever. I feel great. I haven't gained any weight. My body looks like I, you know, I'm very lean. Like they're just eating right for the first time in probably years for some, some people. Um, And it's just, yeah, it's, it's a, it's challenging. It's complex, but I think that there are just better ways to do this. And the more women who talk about it, the better it's going to get for everybody. Right. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm very hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> Kels, do you have any questions about uh, Sherry or her, her podcast? Well, more so just reflections on what was, you know, spoken about for the last couple of minutes. I think, you know, it, when I think of this, I think of learned behavior, right? And so all of our actions are learned behavior. So we had to learn them somewhere. So how can we unlearn them? right? Like what are the process and the steps that we need to take to unlearn them? Or if, you know, and for some folks, 
getting, you know, it's hard to get to that unlearning period of time. And then it's hard to go through that unlearning period of time. But how can we also adopt like a prevention mindset of like, okay, we don't want people to unlearn this. We want them to learn the quote unquote, I don't want to say right things because it's probably going to be different for every person, but like, how do we teach them the things that are going to be nourishing to their body, right? Like how, how do we start this and what are ways in which we can implement this so that everybody can have, don't, ha- don't have to go through the unlearning process. Um, because if we can avoid that, then it's going to make it a lot easier for a lot of women in sport. And it's going to make it, you know, them just longevity wise, like health wise, mental health wise, like, you know, relationship wise, all the like areas of well being can really be flourishing if we start this early enough. So um, that's kind of just my reflection on it is like, how, how do we unlearn if we're already in the midst of it? And then before that, how do we prevent the unlearning from having to happen? Right. And I think modeling, right? Like modeling behavior that looks better. And I think one of the challenges, and this is where I try to be very, very careful is I don't want to go around blaming people who are using these training programs or methods that we've known work for years because we have created champions, you know, who have ended up having health problems afterwards, but that's what people know how to do. So we're asking coaches and athletes, um, we're asking them to do something different, which change takes time, right? And we don't know exactly what works yet. You know, we don't know how, I don't know, to deal with large groups of or to train large groups of women based on everybody's menstrual cycle. Like all this stuff is very new. And even women talking about their menstrual cycle, like telling a young girl, telling her male coach about when she's on her period, like these are big challenges to overcome. So I wouldn't, I would never blame anyone for like using a training method that might be harmful. I think we just need to show a different way that it works that's healthier. And when I talk to women who are trying this, like that is their goal, like, you know, so, and very specifically the woman I was just working on her story and Ashworth, who is an elite runner in South Africa. And she's just like, I think we can be better athletes as healthy athletes, you know, and she went through a horrible bout of red S. Um, so I think we just need to see that behavior modeled. Uh, more and more and more and women and there are a lot of women in the especially in ultra distance running who talk a lot about like how much they eat and you know how they fuel their bodies really well and you unless they're hiding you know like social media is always a tough place to see like really what's going on with people but you know there are some athletes that seem to be doing quite well let's just put it that way that don't seem to be saying like oh I'm always injured or oh I always have problems and they're also oftentimes the athletes who are like I eat a ton of food (laughs) So, you know, I don't know that, like, I'm not saying that that's the answer, but I'm saying, I think that there are women out there who are, who are doing this in a healthy way. Yeah. And I think modeling that behavior for young girls too, to learn from of like, oh, it's, it's good to feel my body. It's important, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so so, yeah, kind of looking back on your own experience, is there any advice you would give to your younger self when you were, uh, you know, experiencing red S or first into the sport? Um, yeah, I think like, well, is there something, uh, yeah, probably to trust myself more, like trust my intuition more, um, and not be so hard on myself. That was probably a big one. I was really, I had a very negative loop in my head. I was 
yeah, um, I would say just be a lot nicer to myself and, and learn how to trust my gut and learn how to listen to my body. Like, you know, um, those would be, those would be some big things. Cause I was also a classic overtrainer. Um, and I was just like, more is better. So, you know, yeah. so things like that. Yeah. Just yeah. having a, a little better mindset, um, mm -hmm. around being nicer to myself and mm -hmm. listening to my intuition. So, so important. Yeah. yeah. Listening to your yeah. body. It's the best, it's the best gift you can give yourself. Yeah. I think as an athlete mm -hmm. is learning really how to tune in and know, understand what you need and then act on it. Mm -hmm. Right. And have the confidence yeah. to say like, mm -hmm. I really, today is not the day or today is the day or whatever it is like, just to really understand that I think is just super important. And it's a lifelong lesson, you know, yeah. we're all, cause we're always changing, especially as women, yes. <laughs> like our body chemistry is very, yeah. it fluctuates all the time. Absolutely. So. Thank you so much, um, Sherry, oh, for goodness. joining us for the show. We'll have to include uh, links to your show so listeners can tune in. And again, just really appreciate you taking the time to join us. It's been a joy. I think we oh, could do a part you. two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thank you both so much. I know I get very, uh, I don't know, loud about Hey, Cherie here. I just wanted to follow up and answer your final question of what does being a strong runner chick mean to me? And I think that very simply, it means always looking for the next challenge and how I can meet that in a healthy way and testing out new ways of moving my body and training and nutrition, mental and emotional approaches to running. There are just so many things to explore and improve on. That's a really a never-ending journey being an athlete. So yeah, so always looking for new challenges and looking at those challenges from lots of different ways. And looking beyond myself as a strong runner chick, as part of a community of women runners, I have, of course, a very strong interest in elevating the voices of women in sport and telling stories that aren't getting told because there are so many great stories of women runners out there at all levels and at various different interests and ages and experience levels. And I'm just thrilled to be a part of being able to bring some of those stories to light. All right, that's it for me. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Strong Runner Chicks Radio. Do us a favor and leave a review in iTunes to help spread awareness and foster the SRC community. Additionally, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Strong Run Chicks.